Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. Before we officially begin, I would like to remind you, if you have not subscribed to the website, www.whitelabelamerican.com, please do remember to share. You can go up there and buy our merch if you want to support us. You can also donate, you know, as low as, uh, as much as you can. And if you really enjoy what we do, you can join our Patreon and for as low as $3, hey, you can support us that way. Or you can do the Jeff Bezos thing and give us as much as you want, up to $100 million. We won't say no. Hey, I'm black and I'm bald. So why not do that? We won't say no to that amount. Dollars, pounds, sterling, euros, we'll take it. Um, if you want to give bitcoins, we'll, we'll, we can negotiate that. But um, we'll prefer dollars, pounds, sterling. Just give us the real cash, all right? All righty. Enough of that. Keep the support coming in. We appreciate everyone who shares and, um, yeah, puts um word about us out there. And don't forget to write positive reviews, okay? Thank you very much. So, today's recommendation. I just saw this movie called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I highly recommend it. I'm not going to read the synopsis because I believe if you just go by the synopsis, it's uh, it's... You, you can't just rely on it. It's not a literal word by word of the synopsis, but it has everything from martial arts to a great message. But for me, the biggest message I took from the movie is kindness is a superpower. And the way they get you to that message is beautifully done. I cried watching the movie, but it's not just that I cried. It's that the movie touched me in a way like Black Panther touched me because I think everyone will get something that they want to get from the movie. So watch it, check it out. And it's also the, the month for our Asian, uh, to recognize our Asian uh, brethren, our Asian and Pacific uh, brethren. So um, yeah, support and it's an indie movie. And a lot of great movies out there, but this is a great movie that has a mostly Asian cast. So with that being said, let's meet someone who I am very honored to have on the podcast. She is one of, um, when I say illustrious guests that I've had, this is one of the most illustrious guests to have appeared on this show. She is an internationally known transformational speaker, a teacher, and a healer. She's a wife, an aspiring mother, an entrepreneur. There's a lot to this woman that I've not even scratched the surface because uh, if, I, if I keep going, we'll probably spend 15 minutes just on the intro. But I'm honored and I'm so happy to introduce someone who I, I'm always inspired to listen to and I look up to when it comes to podcasting and creative uh, creating in general. So welcome on the show, Latrice Samson Richards. How are you doing today? 
Well, that was quite the introduction. I feel like I hope I live up to all of that. That was really nice. Oh, you, um, you, you more than live up to it. Trust me. <laughs> I, 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 I followed you around for a little bit, not in a stalking style, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I would have moved to New Orleans. So. <laughs> I, I actually don't live in New Orleans anymore. Oh, I live good. in uh, South Florida now, but I am from New Orleans. All right. Um. Yeah. So, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. I'm, I'm excited to be here with you and, um, you know, getting to just kind of have a conversation with you today. So um, it's been busy, 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 but I wanted to make sure that I make some time for you. So I'm I'm happy to be here. Thank you. And I'm honored to have you here. So let's dive in and go to the origin story of Latrice. You have beautiful names and you come from a part of the country that I'm always fascinated by. So can you give us the story behind your names and what are the meanings? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so my maiden name is Latrice Sampson. I was, I was born a Sampson. Um, and my first name actually, uh, my mother's best friend, her name was Patricia. And when my mother was pregnant with me, uh, she was trying to figure out what she was going to name me. And so uh, we, we call her Nanny Pat because uh, she she's my sister's godmother. Okay. Um, and so we call her Nanny Pat. So uh, Nanny Pat said, uh, why, don't you, why don't you name her Patrice? And my mama, she didn't really like Patrice. She said, but uh, let me see what it looked like with an L in front of it. And that's uh -huh. how she got to Latrice. She liked it. She <laughs> thought it was pretty. Um, and that's how she got to Latrice. Um, and my whole life, I was the only Latrice I knew. Um, I knew a girl named Leatrice, but wow. her name was spelled different and yeah. sounded different. But people used to get our names mixed up. But oh, wow. um, I actually <laughs> never really knew what my name meant until recently. We did an episode of the podcast uh, of, of stories all around us. And one of the episodes is, is called what is in a name. And it is about, <clears throat> excuse me, it's about names. Yeah. Um, and the connection that we have to our names and one of our guests, uh, she, she encouraged me to look up the meaning of my name. Um, and I want to say it was nobility, nobility. Um, mm. yeah, royalty and, and nobility, which, you know, I'm a Leo, so I feel like that tracks, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. All, all my fellow Leos out there. I mean, we aren't we royal, aren't that's we right. that's true. out here? Um, and so, yeah, so, and then my, my maiden name is Samson. Um, and that actually was a typo. Mm. On my dad's birth certificate um, is how we ended up S A M P S O N. Um, my original family name is S A N S O M Sansom. Wow. And um, but you know they spelled it wrong on my daddy's birth certificate, and then you know so that's that's what that is. Um, but we we have a very strong connection to our name, um, which is why when I got married, because I'm a Richards now, um, I got married in 2016. And I decided not to hyphenate, mm -hmm. um, but also 
I decided to keep my maiden name. Um, and so I, I moved forward with Samson Richards. So my official last name is Samson Richards, no hyphen. Yeah. Um, because I had a lot of pride in my, I still have a lot of pride in my, in my last name. Um, my daddy raised us that, you know, you are Samson and that means something, you mm. know, like if when people hear Samson, people automatically know what kind of person they're dealing with. They automatically know what your character is. They know what kind of family you come from and they know that, you know, you're a force to be reckoned with. And so we have a lot of pride in our last name. And I've been very blessed because the Richards family um, in Jamaica, y'all know I'm Jamaican by marriage. Um, and the Richards family is a great family as well. And and they are raised with a lot of pride in their name as well. And yeah. so it it just really fit because I was able to kind of take that in. And, and I really do live by you know, your name is all you have. True. I, I believe at the in end that of too. the day. Mm -hmm. Your name is all you have. And so it's important to me that when my name enters a room, whether I'm there or not, I want my name to make people smile. You know, I mm -hmm. want my name to make people feel good about themselves or, you know, about me, about their interaction with me. Um, I want to make sure that, you know, years and years and years and years and years from now when I'm when I'm no longer here and, you know, people think back on that one time that they met Latrice Sampson Richards and and it just put a smile on their face. You know, that's that's my goal in this life. And so that that's how I move. It's a beautiful goal. And it's a, um, it's a goal that I I, I think. I have a similar goal when it comes to names because um, I may have been in junior high, the equivalent of our junior high school back in Nigeria. And I think it was one of my teachers or maybe one of my neighbors. So it was someone older that had said, your name is is what you really own. The, the, thing you, the, the thing you own the most, I'm paraphrasing, but it's what you 100% there's a guarantee that you own is your name and mm -hmm. that is what people can either bank on or count on and if they can't count on your name then yeah that's so it's your integrity is tied to your name it is in the long run and i know that it was uh, well then i was trying to chase it there was a girl i was trying to chase but she Apparently referred to people were talking about me. I was new to the town and the school. I, I transferred from a different state and region, and I didn't. I was I did not like that area because I was from a minority tribe, and everybody there was um, Yoruba mostly. Yoruba was a Yoruba area, and so now I'm like, oh, I don't really mess with you people and that kind of thing. But the truth is that I think it was my way of feeling like an outcast without, you know, I didn't have the words then. So you, 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 you're you now in a position where, even though I was coming from a place where I was also a minority, but it wasn't, well, it wasn't like something that I noticed that I was mm -hmm. like a minority because there were bigger numbers of other minorities around. But yeah. now it was like really in my face that I was the minority. 
And now there's like a big number of uh, people from one tribe just dominating everywhere to the point where your English classes were even in their language. So I, I was very annoyed about something like that. But when I wasn't around, I didn't know what people were saying about me. And this girl who I was trying to, to, to go after, I was trying to date, for some reason, I don't even know how the conversation got there, but she was like, oh, you know, when you're not around, people say you're cool. And I think that was the first time I was like, oh, people find me cool? <laughs> and I, I felt good for the rest of that. I just remember that feeling mm-hmm. good, like, oh, so there are people who find me cool. And maybe I shouldn't mm-hmm. be trying to butt heads with people because to me, I thought I was always butting heads and clashing mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that may have, in a way, helped change my attitude towards certain yeah. people because I, I think I just looked at most of them as my enemies mm-hmm. from day one and maybe that led to a crack one of the because at different times in my life i have not even realized that uh how certain actions created who i will end up becoming but that may have been one of the cracks too because at yeah. first the person who will become my best friend in that school will come from that tribe otherwise all people were my friends were outside as well from different tribes but none of the major the majority yoruba so i didn't date Yoruba, I didn't try to be friends with Yoruba, but I was becoming an extremist without realizing mm. it until yeah. she told me that Yoruba people found me cool. But yeah. it was that they found, they heard my, my name was being spoken in a cool way, in a cool manner, and that began to change me, even though I thought yeah. you know, I was clashing with people. So, yeah. You know, it's so interesting. You know, I'm a therapist by trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a therapist for the last 11 years, licensed in the states of Louisiana and Florida. Um, and, you know, I always have to give this disclaimer. Yeah. I am a therapist, but if you listening to this, I am not your therapist. <laughs> so anything that I say right now is not directed to you. But if you connect with it, you might want to talk to a therapist about that. Um, so, but it's so interesting because... Um, what you're describing, I think, is something that it is really just a part of the human experience, right? Mm. Because um, so there's this uh this philosopher, this theorist in in the field uh named Maslow, Robert Maslow. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. And so he has cre- he created this Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And he says it's kind of like an inverted, uh, it's like a pyramid. Mm-hmm. And he says that we all have, as human beings, we have these basic needs um, or these needs that that must be met in order to, you know, get to this place of self-actualization, where it's kind of like you're able to stand in your fullness and you're able to, like, really intentionally care about other people and things like that. Like it's a whole process. And at the the bottom of that list is basic survival needs, you know, food, water, clothing, shelter, safety is a basic need, uh, which I think we forget a lot of times. Um, But the, the very next tier is the need for love and belonging, which Essentially, I mean, I'm oversimplifying here, but essentially equates to acceptance and mm. validation from your peers. True. Right. Or, or more so validation from your community. Right. As human beings, we need to feel like we are part of something 
that is bigger than ourselves. We need to feel like we are a part of a community. And so when we struggle, when we when we enter a new community, a, a community that is not familiar to us, whether that's a new school, a new job, um, you know, a new friend group, with a new country, a new city, whatever it might be, we don't really know that community yet. And so we don't know what we need to do to get that acceptance from that community or if that community will be willing to accept us. And so we can a lot of times put up these walls because we expect that the community is not going to receive us. And we expect that we're going to be isolated. Um, and so sometimes just ha like, so what, what that girl did, the girl that you was chasing, she must have been cute too. Oh, yeah. Because she sounded like she was <laughs> smart, you know? So what 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 the the young lady that you were chasing, what she did for you is she gave you acceptance. Mm. She gave you confirmation uh, that you belong to that group. And that allowed you to to let your guard down and let people really get to know you, you know, and and it it allowed you to feel safe. It allowed you to feel comfortable and and it allowed you to to kind of flourish. And I think, um, you know, I always say people, if you ever meet somebody, you know, that says, uh, I don't need nobody. Right. I'm yeah. I'm good by myself. I don't need nobody. They lying. Sure. And more than lying to you, they lying to themselves. They're trying to convince themselves that they don't need anybody because it is human nature. It is a actual human need for love and belonging. Human beings need other human beings. Period. There's no exception to that rule. Yeah, I agree. I agree because I, I have also done that. I don't need nobody thing. And yeah, it, it was also a therapy that I came to the realization that yeah, I'm not that person. I was lying to myself. So it's yeah, trying it's, to trying it, to protect yourself, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So come, staying with your childhood, um, we've already mentioned the, the state, but now we're going to come down to the city, you know, to the to the local local area. So, can you introduce us to your place of birth and what childhood was like for you growing up? Yes, so I am from um, I'm I'm from New Orleans, but if if anybody from New Orleans is actually listening to this, you know, you know, whenever you're from a big city, um, a well-known city, sorry, I said state, or, a big city, I meant. Yeah. 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 No. Well, yeah. Louisiana is the state, which yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize. It's Louisiana true. is the state. New Orleans is the city. Um, and so I'm I'm from New Orleans, born and raised. Uh, my family is from New Orleans. Um, my mother's side of the family is multiple generations in New Orleans. You know, we New Orleanians through and through. Um, and my dad actually was born in Mississippi. Um, and moved to New Orleans when he was about three years old with his with his parents and his sister. Um, and so, but I, I just want to give the caveat for anybody that's actually from New Orleans and understands the geography there. I'm actually born, the actual city that I was born in is Marrero. Marrero. Marrero, hmm. yes. Marrero, I, I was, was going to get some names. I just love hearing names from that part of 
America. Yes, yes. So Marrero is where I was born, which is, excuse me, which is New Orleans. It's a suburb of New Orleans. So it's not New Orleans proper. It's kind of the outskirts of New Orleans. But I always say I got the best of both worlds um, because my my both of my parents grew up in the city of New Orleans. Um, And but when they, you know, when they got married, my daddy was in the military. He was in the army um, long before I was born. But when they first got married, my dad was in the army. They lived in Germany for a little bit. And then they came back um, and they purchased a house. And and at the time, Marrero was, you know, sticks, you know, sticks and rocks. And so they built the house uh, in a, a brand new subdivision. Nothing else really existed over there at the time. And uh, they raised us in Marrero. Um, But I always say I got the best of both worlds because I feel like I kind of got the chill Mm -hmm. of kind of growing up in the suburbs. It was very quiet on my block growing up. Um, There was a lot of kids around. So we always had people to play with. It was very, very safe. Um, I grew up as a part of a community, um, you know, the ch- uh, we went to, I grew up Catholic. Uh, I, I don't identify as Catholic anymore, but I did, was raised in a black Catholic church, which a lot of people don't realize is a thing. There is such yeah. a thing as black Catholic. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's a it's a black church just like any other black church, but we Catholic, you know that we just do Catholic things. Um, so that's that. And so um, the church had a school, and I went to that school from three years old all the way through eighth grade. Mm. Uh, so I grew up with a lot, a lot, a lot of stability. My parents um, still to this day live in the same home that they brought me home from the hospital in which the hospital is literally around the corner from the house you know so (laughs) so they had the same phone number uh up until probably about five to seven years ago they finally got rid of the phone number that was the same phone number from the day they moved in the house you know so like I had a a lot, a lot, a lot of stability growing up, and I'm I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, wait, but I always wait, I, I got I got to jump in there. Yeah, the yeah. The phone number that that just got me curious. So when your parents changed that phone number, because I'm pretty sure you had that number burnt into your memory already. Oh yeah. Did you yeah, have a, yeah. a problem now remembering or adjusting to the new number? They no, they actually they don't have a, a landline anymore. anymore. They don't oh, have a okay. house phone anymore. <laughs> yeah, they they gave it up um, because nobody was calling them. Oh. On, and I remember a couple of years ago, I was like, "Mama, why do y'all still have a house phone? Who is calling you on this house phone? Nobody is calling mm. you on this house phone." So they finally went on and, and let let it go, um, uh, and they just have their they have their mobile phones now. Okay, um, but even that, like my, both of my parents have been having their same mobile phone number since they got cell phones. They've mm. never had a different number. That so. kind of sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I mean, what I'm changing my number for, you know, I never understood people that change their number every five minutes. I, I think I have had three mobile numbers in my life since since I started, you know, got my first cell phone uh, right yeah. after I graduated from high school. Yeah, I've had I, three I numbers. Same with me. Yeah. 
Yeah. And each, each change was for a specific reason. The first time I changed my number because I really needed somebody to stop calling me and that I couldn't figure out how to do that at the time, other than to change my number and not, and make sure that they did not get that number. Um, and that worked. Uh, and then the second time I changed my number, I think it was because, um, I, I don't know why it was maybe somebody, maybe that again, maybe I just needed somebody to stop calling me, but that was it. I've been rolling with my, my current number. Cause I, I learned how to block people. Yep. And so since <laughs> I learned how to block, listen, I don't play with my, with my spirit <sighs> and my energy. I'm very, very particular about who I allow in my space and I will block your ass in a heartbeat. I don't, and I don't feel no kind of way about it. it. I will block you. Period. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think mine was my first, my very first cell phone was a hand me down from my aunt. One of my aunts, Um, she upgraded because we, we we started having cell phones um, for the, for the whole public in Nigeria after 1999 or in 1999. Mm. And by the time some of us could afford it, I think my, my aunt was, uh, but you, you were attached to the carrier that you got your cell phone from. So mm. in 2003, my aunt moved to like the most, the biggest carrier. She, she got a line from them and you couldn't transfer your number to that company. So mm. you got, you had to get, because each company, I think, yeah, they had the codes where each company had a certain code given to them. So yeah. if you got a number from them, your numbers began with their code. So there was no transferring of numbers. So it was yeah. like, yeah, you get a new SIM card, new number. So she was like, all right, you have my old phone. So I was I had to deal with a whole bunch of people calling. Like, right, let me speak to Monica. I'm like, no, no, I'm not Monica. Why is a man answering her phone? I'm like, no. Nah, yeah. It's not, uh, <laughs> it, it's it's me, I'm, I'm, I'm a nephew, but it's no longer a phone. So I dealt with that for a couple of years. And then I moved to America, got my, my, my first cell phone was my elder brother's. Um, cell phone, which I understood later on why he handed it over to me because yeah, he 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 he, he trouble too. So um, apparently, people said we sound alike, even though he was born here and left when he was age four, and then came back in his early twenties, and then was like almost fifteen years before we re- reunite. Mm. And with my accent being fresh from Nigeria, even after I said hello, people be like, "Can it? Can it?" Yeah. yeah, yo, so you meet me here, and I'm like, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm not Kenneth. I'm his brother. Why you, why you sound like that? You, you yeah. sound like Kenneth, but you sound like Kenneth. I'm like, no, I don't think we sound alike. I'm, yeah, I think I'm, <laughs> we are different, and there's no, no, we don't. And no, there are people who are cussing me. I'm like, Kenneth, why are you playing this trick on me? Stop playing tricks on me. <laughs> like, ah, yes, yeah. so as soon as I joined the navy and left, that was the first thing I was getting a cell phone. <laughs> got yourself like yeah, yeah. people need to stop calling I'm, I'm i'm done with this no no more and then i had to deploy when i left for bahrain um i ended my line and then i came back from bahrain so i got a different number in bahrain that i will give up by the time i was coming back from bahrain so i guess somebody had to deal with who's <laughs> i want to speak to yeah. Rafael. <laughs> yeah yeah i got my revenge yeah. finally <laughs> if if i ever change my number <sighs> i feel bad for whoever get this number uh, after me because i've had it for so long yeah. um but you know uh i you know i i used to do military counseling um before uh really before my podcasting and stuff like that i i used to do military counseling and so i never went to bahrain but i've heard 
amazing things about Bahrain. Oh, that that um, changed my life big time. Yeah, yeah. It's it. I heard I it's like really beautiful. Yeah, yes. I had I did go to Okinawa. Oh, um, I oh. lived in Okinawa. Sa save for a save year. that. We'll, we'll save that for a little bit. Okay. Oh, we're coming to okay. that. We're coming to that. Okay. But bef okay. before we, we we jump forward, let's we're still staying with your childhood. One yes. question, which you know, it, it might have more than one answer. What do you consider your favorite childhood memory? And you can give us more than one example. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's a deep question. I know, or a big question, but it's one of my favorites to ask. My favorite childhood memory. Yeah. Um. So I'll say I'll say two things. So one. I think that, so I'm the youngest of three. Oh, I'm the so baby yeah. of my family. And um, I think it wasn't until maybe like the last, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 years, I think I really started to realize that there was a lot about like the, there was a lot of moments in my childhood that I wasn't really present for, mm. meaning not necessarily like I was there physically and we have the photos, yeah. but the photos are how I remember that I was, that I had that moment, you know, like there was a, a company picnic um, that we went to for my mom's job, I remember. And, and so we have this photo. I, I do vaguely remember being at the picnic, okay. but I don't really remember like, you know, that moment, but we have this photo of my sister and I in these kind of quasi matching outfits from that picnic and that photo kind of brings me back to the little bits and pieces that I do remember of that day and so um there's a lot of those kind of experiences for me growing up I think that um you know I've always been like a creative child and I've always you know kind of been like head in the clouds you mm -hmm. know like I'm I am a hugger like I'm a hugger and I'm a creative and I'm always just in another world thinking about oh you know how cool would it be if this and how cool would it be and I think as a child my imagination would kind of get a get away from me a lot of times and so I wasn't always like present and in the moment so like yep. in my adult life I spend a lot of time you know, I do allow myself to be where, you know, wherever my imagination wants to go, but I also am very intentional about being present and like remembering moments like my journey in podcasting has been, I mean, it's just I, there, I, I have no words, you know, like it has been so much more than I ever could have anticipated. And I've just getting started. I ain't even did nothing yet for real, for real, you know? Yeah. And so, or at least not, you know, what's on my list of shit to do, you know? And so it, I'm, I'm very intentional about making sure that I am present for these moments because I don't want to look back 10 years from now and feel like I've missed a whole chunk of my life. Like I just wasn't present for that. And that, that came from, my experience in childhood in terms of like 
just not really feeling like there's a whole lot about my childhood that I remember. Mm. That being said, though, um, I do have moments and experiences that will forever be with me from my childhood and moments where I was very present. um, And, and those things are the things that matter the most to me growing up. And so one of those things, I would say my favorite thing is my grandfather um, and, and well, my grandparents specific, all of my grandparents. um, But specifically my um my my paternal grandparents so my daddy's mother and father um my grandfather his name was johnny and uh i called him papa that's my papa and so um my papa was you know he was a surly old man you know he was he was quiet most of the time Um, but when he spoke, he was either cracking a joke or being the life of the party, (laughs) um, or he was, you know, tumultuous and, and, um, difficult, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, it's a very interesting juxtaposition, you know, those things, because, um, whenever it came to me, he was soft and mushy and you know (laughs) just I I my grandfather was one of my favorite people like in life Mm. my grandfather was one of my favorite people and I I got a little choked up just now thinking about my papa um and uh I got my my flappy arms that come from Johnny uh, my grandfather had, he was a thin man, but he had a lot of loose skin oh. on his arms in particular. And so uh, my grandfather used to get a, a mason jar with sweet tea okay. and he would go out to the front, the stoop on the front of the house. They lived in a fourplex. And so he would go out to the stoop on the front of the house and he would sit on that stoop. And my grandfather knew everybody in that neighborhood. He would just sit there. They they lived across the street from a school and my grandmother was the candy lady. And so every morning before school, the kids would come in and, you know, buy their candy for the school day. And then when they got out of school, they would come in and buy their candy for the walk home, (laughs) you know? Um, And so my grandfather knew everybody. He knew all of those kids. He knew all of the neighbors. Everybody knew Mr. Johnny. And so whenever um, I was over there, we like we would stay, we would a lot of times go spend summers with my grandparents, even though they was just across the river. That's what I was saying earlier. I got the calm of the suburb of Marrero, yeah. but I, I still got the city of New Orleans because I was just as much raised in New Orleans as I was raised in Marrero, okay. you know, because yeah. my entire family was in New Orleans. We was like the only ones. Yeah. Um, so he knew everybody and I, I used to suck my thumb and, um, I've always been like an emotional child. Um, I really, I, I really thrive on human interaction, um, and specifically just love and connection. And, you know, I just, 
I like to that closeness with mm. another human being. And my grandfather was that for me, you know? And so we used to sit on the stoop. He would sit on the stoop. I would sit on the step and I would suck my thumb and I would play with his skin. (laughs) 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 I would just play with the skin on his arm, you know, and he would drink his tea and everybody would come by and, and they knew me because they knew him. And they knew I was his grandbaby and wasn't nothing going to happen to me because I was with, I was Johnny's grandbaby, you know, yeah. and wasn't nothing going to happen. And those, those moments, like those are some of the strongest memories that I have. Wow. And those are some of the moments that, you know, like I, it just, I think I have flashbacks of those moments, like very, very fondly have fat flashbacks of those moments um, because, you know, my grandfather was a difficult man. Mm. You know, he was a difficult man. He was, um, a lot of times he was very mean to my grandmother, like, you know, mean, very, very mean. Um, and you know, as a child, you don't really understand those kind of things. Yeah. But then as you start to like become a teenager, you start to kind of see it differently. And my grandmother was a, uh, she was not a soft woman cause she was an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you know, she was the candy lady yeah. and she had a whole system and we used to go like, that's another strong memory. We used to go with my grandmother to the warehouse where she would buy her candy and she had her buggy and we would walk with her to go buy her candy. Um, and she she would price it out and she would say, go and get a bag of them big bowls and go get a, a bag of them, you know, strawberry kisses or whatever it is. So like, you know, she was an entrepreneur. So she wasn't a soft woman mm-hmm. in the least bit. Yeah. Um, but she was soft spoken more often than not, you know? Um, and so those kind of moments with, with my grandparents are like the moments that, that stick out to me the most. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's, uh, yeah. it's a beautiful memory. I, I wish I, you know, I, I never met my grandparents and, uh, it's something that I always, I've some part of me always feels envy for people who got to spend time with their grandparents because mm. it's it's something that I part of me will you know I know I never had that and I'm glad that my daughter gets to enjoy the have her own memories with her own grandparents you know she gets to enjoy that so that's one thing that I'm grateful for um and yeah that's a, a, a great point that you made there you know that just because your your grandmother was soft-spoken doesn't mean she was a soft person doesn't mean she wasn't a strong person because sometimes you know when we tell this when we tell the stories we just say oh because someone was taking an abuse just that just um um, it means the person was just was just weak 100 percent weak and Mm -hmm. we forget that that's not how it works you know no um one of my favorite people in my family was an uncle of mine who unfortunately passed away pretty young and when i had become when i was just becoming a young adult he was one of the few people that 
really stood by me and was like, let this young man express himself, be have his voice, you know, and yeah. a lot of people were more of the, he needs to toe the line. If we are going to church, he must go to church to everybody. If we are all doing this, he must do everything. Even though we knew those who were doing the bad stuff or the good stuff and, you know, but it was like I didn't have money. The economic situation had changed. So there were favorites now and I wasn't amongst the favorites anymore because the economic situation had changed. So it, it was like the moment I spoke out now, I became bad. But he knew that that wasn't the case. But I was just a young person that began to explore and ask mm -hmm. questions. And he was like, yeah, let him ask questions. Yeah. So he was like my go-to person because I could vent, I could just, you know, yeah, I, I really loved hanging out. And then he was a lawyer, he was a young man, things were beginning to happen in his career. If he was still alive, he probably may have ended up being a governor or something, but he, he was, they, were, they were cutting him then. And, yeah. But I think he, in a way, his death may have also created a crack in my system because he never took breaks. Mm. He was that hustle, hustle, because you know, sometimes I'll show up at his house like 5.30 in the morning. Would He was like, yeah, we got to move, we got to move, got to move. Meetings, meetings, jumping here and there. And then he would show up home like maybe 10 at night. And I don't know, yeah. his kids barely saw him, his wife barely saw him. And But I loved the way he dressed. He was like, what, you know, in my, in my part of the country, we say guy man. The guy man had the swagger. He had the flow, mm. he, he had the flows. But I never saw him chasing women and that kind of thing. But he was the type that he didn't have to chase women. Women were throwing themselves at him. And yeah. he, was like, he was like, he could just wave, get get, a, get out of my face kind of thing. But I don't know if he cheated. I don't, that wasn't the point. But there were things that happened that I chose not to see because I was blinded, you know, by this guy taking my side. He was for me. And then... Once in, a, once in a while, because I always showed up early at his house, I would see his wife looking like her face did not look right. Mm. And I was still greet her because I was young, much younger than her, so I, you know, I have to show respect, and you know, I would greet her accordingly, and she wouldn't even answer. She wouldn't be able to talk, and she would just go hide in the room. And he was like, some you come out, and like, hey, Ralph, let's get it, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, got to catch the day, hustle, hustle. And the wife will not, she will not come. Usually she comes out, we have a conversation, we chat, talk politics and everything. And I I love women who can chat like that. And she won't even show up. I never ask myself, why? What's going on? The kids and the kids, he'll be like, Raf, can you get the kids ready for school? Oh, sure, sure, why not? I, I get them dressed up. And, you know, have you guys eating, you know, everything? Why was that happening? I never knew. Hmm. Either there was a beating or he had said, I don't know, but there was an abuse going on. Yeah. And those were the things which now, looking back, I was like, yes, there were times I, I just, I, where, I was the type, where I was then, I just couldn't recognize. But she had a great career. She was a banker. She was rising up at a profession. So, yeah, she wasn't a weak person. And mm -hmm. unfortunately... The person who was like my superstar, the only person who took my side of the family, who, who stood by my side in the family, he also had a mean streak. Mm -hmm. And if the person I am today, if 
I was that person then, I probably would have been like, uncle, that's uh, that's a no-no. Mm-hmm. But where I was then would probably be like, uh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe she said, maybe maybe, she, maybe I would have been looking for every, or I would have just denied that it happened because I was denying that it happened. So um, it took me years to admit that that memory, that part of the memory existed because I talked yeah. about, oh, this guy died, you know, this, you know, and he was so excellent until he died, but it always flashed. And I think it made sense why after he died, I couldn't bring myself to come to the house anymore. I just, mm-hmm. it, and so I put thought it was because I, he, he, he died and I, I wasn't benefiting. It's like, oh, my, my benefactor is gone. That's why I'm not coming mm-hmm. to the house. But what if it was the part of me that just couldn't face her? Like I wasn't there for you when you were going through, you know, what yeah. you were going through. And I just never knew how to, I never knew the language, I never knew the words to say. So I just didn't know how to, Look at her and I saw her once or twice. I saw her once at her place of work. And she was like, why don't you come around? I didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know how to deal with grief in the first place. So, because the, the way I even found out he, of his death, somebody didn't know I was related to him and just told me. So, I was just announcing, this young man died. Oh, my God. And, you know, I was saying it in a joking manner. And I was, that's my uncle. So, oh, wow. Like, oh, so... There was a whole lot of things that happened, but that was like, but he's still like the, my favorite uncle. You know, and so every now and then it's something that I think about. Now I'm in a much better place to say, yes, I still love him. I appreciate mm-hmm. that he was the first person, the first male figure that really stood by and said, uh, don't crucify this boy for challenging someone who said, what is wrong for fact check? I was fact checking older family members <laughs> before I knew fact check. Like if we just came out and said, yeah, in America they they allow people to marry animals, I'm like, that's not true. That's <laughs> not true. Where you get this news from? And oh, you, how dare you challenge an elderly person? <laughs> and he was a lawyer. He'd be like, no, no, no. Leave the, the the boy knows what he's talking about. He he reads yeah. a lot of news and. Yeah, so I, I love that. No other person stood by me for something like that. But I was being punished yeah. for stuff like that. But, you know, so it felt great that this man yeah. stood by me. But I never knew that he also had skeletons. So Well, and everybody does. And yeah. I think that that's the, you know, it's, again, it just kind of comes back to the human experience. Like, mm-hmm. I think we, society <laughs> makes us believe that, people can only be one thing that you can only like, you know, whatever you can only be this side of yourself, but the, but that's just not reality. The reality is that we got all kind of different parts and pieces of ourselves because for as much as, as much as you love me, right. I guarantee you is somebody out there that hate my damn guts. True. Right. And not a lot of people because, you know, most, you know, I I don't tend to have a lot of negative relationships in my life. I just I prefer not to. Um, So I it may not be a lot of people out there that um, don't like me, but they do have some that don't like me. And nine times out of ten, the feeling is mutual. Okay. Yep. They probably deserve whatever it was that they got. That that made them say they don't like me, period, you know. Um, and so, like, you know, people are very complex beings and, and it is very possible that somebody can be uh, 
a certain kind of way in one relationship and be another kind of way in another relationship. Yeah. You're not the same person. You might, the core of you is the same in every, or should be, needs to be the same in every relationship that you're a part of, but you're not the same person at work that you are at home with your family. You're not the same person at church necessarily as you are when you out hanging out with your homies, you know? Um, and so there's this, this plurality of us and uh, as human beings, and we have to allow people to exist in that space and to explore what that looks like. My grandfather was an amazing, amazing man. And you know, one of the first men that I ever loved, you know? Um, and I mean, I loved my grandfather. My grandfather was good to me. He used to call me a, your little fat rat. Come here, your little fat rat. That's what he used to, that's what he used to call me. Um, and, uh. and I absolutely loved it. But I also understood that he was a difficult husband, mm -hmm. you know, that that he was a that that my grandmother's experience of him was very different than my experience of him. Yeah. And also my daddy, my father's experience of his father was very different than mm -hmm. my experience of his father. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So, you know, we are many things to, to many people and we're not going to always get it right. And we have to allow people to, to be flawed, you know? That's right. Yeah. That's right. So we are going to jump forward to, well, not exactly the present, but getting closer to the present. But before we do that, we shall take a quick break. And when we come back, we shall get closer to your creativity. Hi everyone, we've made it two years and who would have thought so? So let's go for that and make it three, make it four, make it five, make it six, who knows? 20. But we can't do this without your support. So join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash white label American POD pod or linktree.com slash white label American. Go there and you will see our Patreon link and you can join us for as low as $3. We have bonus content. We have bonus materials. There's so much juice over there that we don't release to the public. And yeah, you can contribute in making this podcast better. You can send questions. You can send your ideas. And also, there's a lot of new things that are coming. The announcements are made on Patreon first. Because we have to, you know, take care of people who help make this podcast possible so you can be the one to make this podcast what you want it to be come join us on patreon and make it what you like to see join us make it fantastic keep the five stars coming in keep the love coming in thank you for the privilege of your company all right i like when um sometimes the house guests um will cook hey you know? that's my type of and house guest yeah yeah he made some Cornmeal porridge and it is good. Mm, cornmeal porridge. Yeah, that 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 the sound alone just yeah. Mm -hmm. Sounds sounds about right. That's the kind of stuff. I, I never heard of cornmeal porridge until um until I became a Jamaican by marriage. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I never heard of cornmeal porridge. 
it's good. Yeah, I don't think I've had that. No, it's not. It is good. I I like it. We we have we have porridges. We have uh, yeah, but mostly bean porridge, yam and beans. Plantain porridge is actually one of my tribal uh, traditional food, which Mm. depends on which part of the Ijeo people you meet making it. Um, So if it's like my side, it's more on the reddish um, with the fish. It all comes with fish, Um, dry fish, stock fish. But if you Mm. go closer to the ocean, um, the Ijeo's there have more veggies in there. So I guess it might be more healthier now I think about it. (laughs) <laughs> I never thought about it from that point of view. <laughs> right. Uh, the porridge is one thing that I haven't quite mastered yet, but the rest of the stuff I like, I make really good curry chicken and yeah. brown stew chicken and like all of the Jamaican dishes. I have dishes. to look at the photos of Jamaican porridges if it's similar to ours. Oh, I've never checked it. Yeah, because like Cameroonians, I think they also have some porridges there because they're southern Cameroons, which was technically part of Nigeria until independence. They are, mm. they are, some of their food is very much the same as ours. So yeah. yeah. yeah there's a lot of similarities between Jamaica, I think between Jamaica and like the continent, you know, because oh, yeah. they're, yeah. they're, oh yeah. For obvious and, reasons, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And I thought that's why I think it was a the the transition wasn't difficult um because i mean i pretty much live in a jamaican household like my you know we jamaican up in here um <laughs> i i am very often the only american or non-jamaican in my in my house uh which i'm all right with you know i'm all right with that um because i really i like jamaican culture i appreciated it it um for the most part i mean you know there's some pieces that i'm like mm, i'm gonna leave that in jamaica we ain't, we ain't gonna... <laughs> that part right there we ain't gonna bring that part over here we're gonna leave that in jamaica but for the most part yeah you know jamaica is very much like it agrees with my spirit you mm-hmm. know um but i think that's also because new orleans you know in in the slave trade during that time New Orleans was one of the few places where the, you know, Africans were allowed to continue to express certain bits and pieces of their customs. Yeah, you know? I, I was going to And they had a that. market, you know, like they they had the market, the French market, and they were allowed to sell their things. And, you know, like, so they had a little bit more freedom oh. um, it, when it comes to expression. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's what has made New Orleans everything that it is today, you know? Mm. I think, um, that's the part of New Orleans that I might be a little bit familiar with in, in terms of, uh, the spirituality and in terms of religion, because it doesn't sound like New Orleans, New Orleans tends to sound different in comparison to most of America that seems to have like just mostly the 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 just one type of christianity in your face mm-hmm. you know but new orleans tends to have different things and then mm-hmm. it's like there's a strong african presence in mm-hmm. its religious um in, in its religious space and that, that's one reason why new orleans has always fascinated me even though i haven't made a trip down there yet but it's something that's always made it be a place that i've always wanted to come 
see and even though i'm no longer religious now but it's something that i'm like yeah i would like to come see it and like meet a voodoo priest there and see like what well, mm-hmm. let me see if a voodoo priest here yeah, because i've met voodoo priests in benin city which is very 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 like strong in voodoo but you'll still see like christians and like i has like maybe probably a 50 50 christian muslim population but in the, in the back of the houses you see the shrines yeah, so yeah. it tells you who they really believe in, but outside, you know, in the for the public face, it's like, oh, we go to church or we go to the mosque, and then it's like, yeah. Uh, but if money gets stolen in the house or some something or like, oh, someone's accused of cheating, marriage, mm-hmm. who are we gonna go to? Uh, we're gonna go to the shrine. Yeah, like, there's a, a serious accusation. Well, we're gonna go to the shrine. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Find out like, oh, there is even even into politics, like. You you want to swear like we need you you know you don't trust your cabinet at local level yeah I don't trust my cabinet I need loyalty so before you all I I'm choosing you guys to come serve under me but before you all serve before you get sworn in you're gonna go swear to whichever God I believe in yeah, yeah. yeah. so if you backstab me this is what gonna happen you die or something like that. yeah they get crazy <laughs> and I'm like yeah so why can't you just make that religion or that god be a public face you know i can't and it's like oh no we we are a christian and muslim nation i'm like are we so because if we presidential we are in the presidential election season now next year is nigerian uh presidential election so it's a big time right now it's the most expensive election in africa and yeah if you come out and say i'm not a christian or muslim sorry you lost votes there right there <laughs> that's it you already lost <laughs> you lost well, pa- new orleans is um you know new orleans is a catholic city mm-hmm. um you know i think the majority like people don't always realize that new orleans is a very catholic city okay um but there is also a, a really big um you know like community of uh yoruba priests and mm-hmm. priestesses oh, so like and I, things I, like I, that yes 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 um and you know i growing up you know you we always was taught we don't do no voodoo and i think um what people see on tv is not the reality of, you know, of what New Orleans is. Like people on, you know, I don't know who came up with the idea of presenting New Orleans as like this Southern Belle kind of place. Cause it's really, it's, I mean, it is, but it's not at the same time, you Mm know? Um, or like presenting voodoo as like the like you know cutting the heads off of chickens and you know <laughs> like that even Hollywood does that a lot too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but that's not like that's not it though. You know, no, like it's, it's a real, not. it's a real, it's a real worship practice. Yes. You know, and it's a real spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, as I got older, and you know, uh, Catholicism. For some reason, Catholicism never really set right with me. It's just, you know, it just, I feel like a lot of the teachings don't really make sense 
to me. Um, but the core of it, uh, I still carry with me to this day, um, in, in terms of, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, yeah. you know, the golden rule that that's, that's just good advice, you know, like that's just being a decent person. So like mm -hmm. those kind of things, yes, I definitely, um, carry those things with me, but, um, uh, most of uh, Catholicism never really sat right with me. But as I got older, I started to explore a little bit more um, and explore my city more on my own terms. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just learn about the different customs and learn about these little pockets that I wasn't necessarily exposed to in that way for educational purposes, you know, like we was exposed to it, but only to the extent of, of saying, stay away from that, you know? Mm. Um, and so having an opportunity to explore for educational purposes and really start to understand that, you know, the root of a lot of those spiritual practices, it's been helpful. I don't really, uh, I can't say that I subscribe to any particular spiritual practice right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I, I kind of, I kind of feel like at the end of the day, we all talking about the same thing. I just think that we have different ways of expressing what that thing is. Mm. And we have different ways of, um putting those lessons and those teachings into practice you know ritual is a is a it is a human thing yes ritual is a it, it comes back to that love and belonging right so we we have rituals because uh, it helps us to feel a part of a community. And so these are the, when you are a part of this community, these are the rituals that, that you experience. Um, and that's really all, you know, baptism and, um, you know, confirmation and all of those things. That's really all that is. It's, it's a ritual to say, this is the expression of who I am. This is me being a part of this community you know, and expressing myself in that way. So, um, but yeah, I, all of that to say the point that I was making, because, <laughs> you know, the point that I was making is that, um, I'm very grateful that, uh, my creative imagination and all of that has allowed me to be open to understanding different points of view, specifically in the area of spirituality. Oh, yeah. And I'm still going to come down there and explore for educational purposes and for my entertainment, too. Because uh -huh. yeah, 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 I like to get down there. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe come I'll on plug, down. Tell my kid, hang out somewhere else. When you get older, <laughs> you come down. So how did you decide what you were going to study when, you, when it was time to go to college? Oh, that's a good question. You have good questions. Um, I'll try. Try. Yeah, yeah. So actually, I didn't know what I wanted to do, um, but I knew that I was going to college because in my household, I didn't know there was an option to not go to college. I didn't know <laughs> that you could choose to not go to college. Um, it was just all it was the expectation that was set. Um, and 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 I was okay with that, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I, I was okay with that. Um 
And but I, I never really enjoyed school, but you know, I'm pretty good at school. And so uh I didn't really have a problem with that. I didn't know what I wanted to do or what I wanted to be. Um, but my mother wanted me to be a teacher, and I knew I didn't want to be a teacher in the classroom because I'm in the classroom, you know, at that time. And I'm like, I would slap the shit out of somebody's child. Uh, <laughs> like, for real, my patience is thin when it comes to disrespectful kids. Um, so I knew that wasn't going to be for me, but I read well and I write well. Um, and so I said, okay, I'll, I'll be an English major. And so um, I signed up as an English major and got accepted to the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, go Cajuns. Um, and when I went to freshman orientation, um, at that time, it was actually the last year because I graduated in 2000. I graduated from high school in 2000. And so that, that, that was the last year that they used to have the paper, actual paper uh, course catalogs. Okay. And so it kind of looked like a newspaper, like, you know, what you would think of as a newspaper. Yeah. Um, and it was this big book and it had every course that the university offered. And that was the last semester that they had it uh, that way. The next semester, they started doing it digitally, okay. which is how everybody does it now. Um, but anyway, but I had the newspaper um, and I was kind of flipping through it uh, to choose my courses. And I came across psychology and I had never even heard the word psychology before. And so I read, you know, the description for the Department of Psychology, and it said psychology is the study of human behavior. And that immediately drew me in because I have always, always, always been fascinated by human behavior. Mm. I didn't know that there was a word for it, though. Yeah. But I've always been like a people watcher. I'm I'm always been that kind of person that, you know, I, I would just sit there and watch somebody and I'm like, what made you put that shirt with that that pants? You know, or what made you what was going through your mind when you decided to do the thing that you did that led to the consequences that it like, like what motivated you? I've always just like, I remember in high school, I went to all girls school. I wasn't, I'm not going to say I was not popular in high school, but I wasn't, um, I was bullied a lot and I was not really a part of like the in crowd. Okay. I had my own friends. Yeah. And with my friends, I was completely comfortable in the life of the party, you know, so I was popular within my friend group. But my friend group was not like the the main group, if that makes sense. Like we it were kind of on yeah. the outskirts, mm -hmm. right? Um so I can't really feel like I never really felt like I was popular. But, you know, we all grew. It was a small community. Like I said, I grew up with the same the same people I grew up with from three years old all the way through high school. It was I had a lot of stability growing up. So it was the same group of people with a new couple new faces here and there. And I remember sitting at the lunch table in uh, in high school often 
And they would be sitting there and they would be talking about all of the things that they did over the weekend that I was not invited to. Um, but but we sitting at the lunch table and they talking about it. Um, and I would be sitting there like, it really doesn't bother me that y'all didn't invite me because I wouldn't want to do that anyway. Like, mm. what what's wrong with y'all? Why would y'all want to do that? Like, I, you know, I could not wrap my mind around it. And I always had all these questions in my mind. So I've always been interested in human behavior. I just didn't know it was a thing you could study. And so I, I started looking at the courses and, um, you know, like the different descriptions for the courses. So child psychology, abnormal psychology, you know, like all of, and I was like, oh, wow, like this is a whole thing, you know, like this, like I really can learn people. Yeah. I really can like learn how to understand people and why, what motivates people. And, and so I changed my major to psychology uh, at freshman orientation and I haven't looked back since. And I always say, um, you know, I didn't really choose psychology. I feel like psychology kind of chose me, you know, like I, it just, I've always been that person. And that even feeds into my podcasting world. Now I use a lot of my skills in therapy, like as a therapist in my podcasting, whether it's asking questions, you know, like knowing how to really dig in there and get the story, you know, like really understand this person, because that's really what the story is. The story is trying to understand the, the human, mm. you know, and, and the human experience. True. Um, and so being able to ask those questions and pull that information out, but then also being able to understand what's not being said, you yeah. know, to hear what's not being said so mm. that I could know what direction to go in. And so, um, so yeah, so that that's that's how I I got into psychology and I just kind of, you know, figured my way out from there as far as career was concerned. Um but it all of that has led me to podcasting, which is where I really believe um I'm supposed to be. So uh, you know when you give the example of um the kids talking about the the all the things they did over the weekend without inviting mm. you. It brought a memory. I mean, I've said this before on the podcast of, um, I think it was during my younger, younger adult days and, uh, well, my, my early days as, as an adult. And I was with, uh, well, I consider, I consider them as part of the crew. But I'd also mo- I moved around a lot in, in uh, my during my days in Nigeria, so the, the this was now I'm in the city that I con- I identified most with, and um, in Portacot, and there was this night where two of the boys who I wasn't they weren't the closest to me but they were part of the crew. It just felt like we were hanging outside this evening, and for some reason it just felt like the, whatever they kept talking about there will, there will be times where they will include me and then there will be times where it felt like i was being sidelined from the conversation i don't know when it started but there are times where i just if i start noticing that you include me and then you there are times you try to like start whispering between yourselves i take myself out of the conversations like i zone out 
Mm-hmm. But I can hear what you're saying, but I will just zone out intentionally. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't, you don't, and I know you're, you're struggling to get me out, so I'll take myself out. So I literally mm-hmm. did that, but I was sitting next to them. So they thought they were whispering and doing, they were trying, like they were trying really hard, but I, I wasn't interested. But I knew they were planning to go to a party. They just didn't want me to be, mm. to come with them. So when I noticed that they were still struggling to keep whispering about it and it, they, they were doing a terrible job. So I just was like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to help them. <laughs> so it's like, I just stood up and like, hey, 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 go after, hey, I pretended like I was running after somebody mm-hmm. and I left. So they went to the party with, with two other guys who they had already, they were figuring they would, they would go have a better time with. And on their way back, they ran into a police checkpoint and unfortunately they didn't have the cash needed to, for the bribery. Uh, but I have plenty of Nigerian police stories. How I never got, how, yeah, it's like this. The end-size protest, as much as I empathize with them, there's a reason why a lot of people in the country were like, it's now you guys really waking up to this? Yeah, there's stories mm-hmm. of what has been happening a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so the the the, the guy driving, he was the only person that had an ID, though, which was the driver's license. So he was the only one they let go. They took the other three. Like, yo, we'll take you to, to, we'll detain you guys. And the guy driving came home, but he was afraid to tell their families what had happened. Mm-hmm. So he came to me <laughs> to tell me the next morning. And when he was telling me, he was like, so I just had my head down, shaking my head. Like the two guys who were trying to cut me out of the conversation didn't want to invite me. I was like, so now they need my help now to raise money mm-hmm. to come build them. But at the same time, they don't want to tell their families that, oh, we went, we snuck out to a party and, you know, mm-hmm. so how are we going to do this now? For some reason, this guy is afraid to go tell their elder brothers, but he's coming to me, the person you didn't want to be, to invite you and all that. But there were times, a whole lot of other times, stuff like that will happen, but I'm the person that will always run to. And it was just funny how stuff like that would happen. And I was like, ah, but we made it, I talked to the right person. That one started the whole phone calls and all that. And they raised money. When they, at the end, their dads found out. <laughs> their parents mm-hmm. went and built them. Because I was like, it's too much work. I mean, we didn't have that money. So yeah. it happened. And yeah, when they came back, they, they, they apologized. And oh man, we should have invited you. I was like, oh no, you shouldn't. It's good. Because I, I would have been insane <laughs> with you. <laughs> Getting beat up yes. by... Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you, you chose not to invite me and that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I, I think there were times... Because we, we didn't have language for a lot of things. So we didn't yeah. know what was happening. But it was just funny how... Yeah, they, but there were days where I would feel like maybe something was wrong with me that they didn't want me at the party. But... When they got in trouble, they always run to me like, "Hey, yeah, Ralph, come, 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 help us! You know how to talk to people." And have, but I never saw that there was a strength there. You know, I always saw it from the negative. Always like, "Oh, why, why, why wasn't I good enough to be invited mm. in the beginning?" So I think later on that will also play a role in my looking down at myself. Mm-hmm. But it would take a while for me to recognize that. Um, yeah, maybe it was a good. It was always a good thing that I was never invited to such things and they were always getting in trouble there was something mm-hmm. bad or someone would get stabbed or there was something 
And I was never there, never there to yeah. win for when something wrong was just going to happen. It was never a great experience where I was like, oh, wow, I wish I was there. I wish I was there. No, no, it was just. But for some reason, I just knew how to take myself out of those conversations. If I, if I just feel like people want to cut me out, like, okay, fine. Go ahead. I don't, I don't need to be a part of the conversation. So. Well, and that, yeah. I tell people all the time, because um, it's a lesson that I had to learn in my life, um, is that you get to choose too. Yes. You know, I think we spend a lot of time waiting to be chosen, mm. whether that's, you know, chosen by family, chosen by romantic partners, chosen by friends, chosen at work, chosen. Like we, we spend so much time waiting for acceptance, which is, it, you know, that that sense of love and belonging is extremely important. Right. It's it's a it's one of our basic needs. But we get to choose as well. We get to choose which groups we are a part of. We get to choose to create groups yeah. for ourselves. You know, we don't just, we're not just at the beck and call or, you know, we're not just um, at the whim of, of the powers that be and just have to sit back and wait to be chosen. We get to choose as well. Um, and so, you know, what you're what you're describing in essence is I chose that I didn't really need to be a part of what they had going on, mm -hmm. right? Because y'all keep getting in trouble and I'm not with that. <laughs> I ain't with that. And if y'all don't want me to be a part of y'all anyway, then that's fine. I choose not to be. You don't I, I don't need you to to decide to put me in your group or to make me a part of whatever it is you have going on. I choose to stop caring about whether or not you want me to be a part of your group. Yeah. And I choose to find my own group, my own which group. is what I ultimately did. I didn't have the language for that at the time, Excuse but me. that is ultimately what I did. I had my own friend group of which I'm still friends with to this day. You know, like my, some of my best friends came from that group of people who accepted me and loved me and allowed me the the space that I needed to just be myself. Whereas this, the main group, you know, wouldn't allow me to do that. And so, um, so yeah, you know, we, we, we get to choose as well. We get to choose to form our own relationships. That's right. We get to choose. So talking about choosing, you are also a military spouse. How did that choosing come about? Did you? Well, I, so yeah, I'm not. I'm not a military spouse. Actually, um, I met my husband uh, on a military base, but okay. I, he's not. He's not military. No, oh, he's not. Um, no, no, he's not military. So um, my first international assignment um, was uh, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Oh, and so in Guantanamo uh -huh. Bay. Because, uh, you know, way back in the day, they closed the gates to Cuba. Yes. And uh, so that meant that they no longer had access to Cuban workers. And so um, they now uh, ship in workers from Jamaica and from the Philippines. Oh. And so when I got oh, yeah. there, I never thought about that. 
Yeah, a lot of people don't think about it. Yeah, I never thought about it before I went there. That makes sense. To be honest. Yeah, I never thought about it. Knowing what I know now, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so there's a huge Jamaican population um, in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, um, on the military base, and oh. they make the base run. You know, they they work the grocery store, they work the offices, they work the child development center. Um, you know, that was my introduction to Jamaica. Uh, was was by going to to Gitmo, and uh, my husband was there uh and he worked in one of the um the galleys which is kind of like the cafeteria yes um so he worked at the galley and um i remember i i arrived in gitmo on a thursday at about uh 3 p.m and i met my husband friday morning (laughs) wow that was some that was quick yeah, not even 24 hours. I met him about 11 <laughs> o'clock the next morning um, at the library because uh, at the time they didn't have this was 2015. Yeah, 2015. They didn't have um, like Wi-Fi mm-hmm. on the base. Um, they had like the hotspots. And so you would have to go to a place that had a hotspot that had free Wi-Fi in order to be able to use it. And so, and you know, a lot of the foreign nationals to communicate with people back home, yes. they would they would use WhatsApp, um, which they needed Wi-Fi to use WhatsApp. Um, and so uh, it would be a lot of people just crowded outside of the library. And so I went over there because I needed to submit my timesheet. And my husband was there. He was working night shift at the time. So he had just gotten off work. He was sitting outside with his friend and um, he said he saw me get out the car. I didn't really even notice. I mean, it was my first day. I was still trying to figure everything out. And um, and my first time leaving the country, I had never left America before. Wait, but before before I continue, what took you to Gitmo? Uh, so I am a therapist by trade and I used to do military counseling. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And which is kind of like, uh, so there's a program called the military and family life counselors. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's basically like a traveling therapist. Okay. Um, so we would, but we would just travel to military bases. So I would go to different military bases around the world. Um, and I specialize primarily in child, youth and child and family. Um, but I also did a couple of adult um, assignments as well. And we would just go and provide um, like no questions asked therapy for service members and their and their dependents. Okay. Um, which we were out. So we were contractors. So we were outside of the military system. Yeah. And so we were able to just give them more anonymity mm. um because you know in the military you you was a navy man right yes um, yeah so you know you know in the in the service um it's it's changing more but m- you know mental health can hold up your career in does. the military it does um, and so a lot of people don't seek the mili- the the mental health support that they need for fear that it will stunt their career um, or fear of backlash. And so our program allowed them to get the help that they needed without the paper trail. 
Mm, so okay. it wasn't connected to the military. Yeah. And so it they they could get that help um, without fear of backlash. Um, so it's a really great program. The program actually still exists all over the world. It's a it's a beautiful program. Um, so yeah, so that that's what brought me there. And okay. um, so here we are. That was in 2015. And so here we are. Um, seven years later, we got we got married after about a year and a half. Uh, we got married in that was January 2015 that we met. We were in a relationship, or like officially in a relationship on February 15th of wow. 2015. And then um, we got married uh, September 2nd, 2016. And we still together, you know? We, <laughs> we so still was together. The, was I still marriage, like you. Was the marriage over here or in Jamaica? No, we got married here. We got married in New Orleans. Okay. Uh, we went, cause I actually, so after I left Gitmo, I went to Japan and, um, that's when I went to Okinawa. And so, um, when I got back from Okinawa, cause he, he actually went, he ended up going back to Jamaica. And so, um, I left, uh, Okinawa, uh, July 31st of 2016. Yes. We had already done all his uh k1 visa paperwork and so uh he came to america on august 3rd and uh we got married september 2nd and moved to texas awesome so yeah. what was that process like dealing with immigration for you for you guys You know, when I did his paperwork, because I did all of his paperwork yeah. um, myself, you know, and so um, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a smooth process. It wasn't like tumultuous or anything like that. It was just the waiting game, you know, like it's, it's a tedious process, but, it, mm -hmm. but I didn't find that process to be difficult. Okay. Um, I read everything, you know, I was all on the internet. I was asking questions and, you know, just making sure that I had the accurate information. Cause that's really what holds up your application a lot of times. Um, but ours was not a complicated case because my husband didn't have any kind of criminal history or anything like that, you know, so uh, it, it made it a little smoother because there were no red flags. Yeah. And he had se. also been in the system working yeah. for um, DOD. So, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so it just it it made it a little smoother. Um, but uh, my we my stepdaughter, who's still in Jamaica, we're now we're working on her paperwork for her to come here. And again, the process is not necessarily difficult, but doing this in the time of COVID is kind of. Oh insane and so um it's just again it's the waiting process it's, yeah we've been waiting about six months and we got about another year before her appointment um and wow. so i'm trying to i'm trying to do everything i can to, to get that moved up uh, yeah. now that jamaica is back open fully open i'm gonna see if i can get that date moved up at all um but You know, the immigration process wasn't necessarily hard. It's just it's just taxing. It's it's tedious, you know. It's tedious. Well, there's one card um that we always, you know, 
recommend is your Congress person. If mm. if it's getting you know if it's too long, I always ask about how the your, the, the migration process is going for you or for for any guest who's on the show that has had to file because you know everyone has uh, a different story to tell. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm glad that it went uh, well and the the tediousness is, is is yeah. I think that's one thing that everybody that's universal for everybody. You know, yeah, the immigration process. Yeah, so um, we're already aware that you're a podcaster, um, but one thing we haven't officially touched on is when you officially embraced storytelling and other forms of creativity that you have as being a part of you and wanting to use that as a voice to share with the world. So when did that come to be? I think you've given parts of this uh, answer already, but the official answer, when yeah. was when, when did it officially happen? And when did you say, this is it, I'm going forward with it? Uh, so I'm the kind of person that really, um, I'm very much into... Uh, my feelings, you mm. know, like I said, when I used to sit on a stoop with my grandfather, I'm an emotional child, you yeah. know, and I, I really be needing that connection, you know, that a Leo um, so thing? I'm, I don't know if it's a Leo <laughs> thing. I don't know, but it's a trees thing, you yeah. know, um, that's is I'm, I'm very connected to, to other people and to feelings, to my feelings, which is why I have to be really, really particular about who I allow in my world, you know, True. because if you're in my world, you're in my world and and I'm connected to you. And and for me, that's a big deal, you know. So I um when I first started my so all right, I go to school. I'm I'm gonna give you the the quick version of this because it's a long story, but I enjoy telling this story. <laughs> My goal had always been to go into private practice, right? So um, when I finished school, I went to grad school, um, finished grad school, got my master's. And I was like, okay, you know, now how do I get into this private practice? I didn't know how to start a business. And at the time I was feeling like I didn't really have a lot of influences as it relates to entrepreneurship because my understanding of my grandmother as an entrepreneur, that that didn't come until maybe like the last, I would say maybe like the last five to seven years for me, mm-hmm. because I didn't, it took me, I, I didn't see her as an entrepreneur. I just saw her as the candy lady. Yeah. And so I, I just recently started to understand that I did have, you know, I did have an example of of what it means to be an entrepreneur in my life. My grandmother was an entrepreneur, you know, Um, but I didn't at that time, I didn't have that understanding. And so I was like, how am I going? You know, I'm just trying to figure it out on my own. And so um, I ended up getting the military contract. Right. So I started doing the military counseling. Um, and first I was just doing uh, domestic, so stateside assignments, uh, all different military bases across the country. Um, and then I actually took a break um, around 20, 
11, uh, 20, I started in 2011. So 2012, I took a break. No, I started in 2012. So 2013, 2014, I took a break from doing the military counseling because I had made enough money to start my private practice. So I got an office in New Orleans, in Marrero, and I opened my private practice. And it was everything that I had in my head. It was the vision down to the curtains on the walls, you know, like it was the vision. And I was so proud of myself. And then I was like, okay, but, you know, now I got to figure out how to bring in money. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had never worked so hard at anything in my whole entire life. And, And it failed. It didn't work out. Um, and I ended up having to close my offices, um, which was earth shattering mm. for me because, like I said before, um, I never really enjoyed school, but I was good at school. Yeah. Um, I'm good at a lot of things. I'm, I'm the kind of person that I've never really had to try that hard to do anything well, I just, it just kind of comes naturally to me. That doesn't mean that I don't struggle. It just means that my, I struggle on a different level, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It does. So I worked as hard, I worked harder than I had ever worked for anything in my whole entire life. And I still had to close that office. It was not enough. It, it just did not work. And that was, that shook me to my core because I don't have to try that hard. And I did try that hard and it didn't work. So in the process of trying to open my office, of of trying to get my office off the ground rather and make it profitable, I created a course. It was my first time ever creating a course. And the name of that course was uh, the Empower Hour series. And so I created the course to promote the business. And I started shopping around the course at different churches and stuff, trying to find somebody to let me do it at, you know, for free at their place. My church supported me and allowed me to do it there. And I went to this meeting and I met this girl who was a publicist all out the blue. I didn't even know what publicists did. And she said, I'm going to be your publicist. I'm going to represent you. And I was like, okay. And she ended up getting me a radio interview on uh, FM 98, which is the old school station in New Orleans. And it was a pre-record, you know, it was, it was a teeny tiny little thing, but I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to be on the radio. Like that was, I thought that was so cool, you know? And so I went in um, to talk about my course that I had created and I met with the producer. She actually did the interview and after I was so nervous and after the interview, the producer said to me, have you ever thought about going in radio? And I was like, me? Cause I hated my voice. I hated my voice. I thought that my voice was just so irritating and she was like, you have a really nice voice. She was like, you, you have the kind of voice that like people would, people anywhere would want to listen to your voice. And I was like, you know, I, that could not have been further from my mind. Yeah. The thought never crossed my <laughs> mind that I could actually use my voice 
to connect with people mm -hmm. because like I said, I hated my voice. And so she got me thinking, you know, cause I was like, well, she a producer at FM 98, you know, like she knows what she's talking about, you know? And so she got me thinking. And within three months, um, I had my own radio show, uh, at, uh, WWOZ in New Orleans, not no, excuse me, not WWOZ, WBOK, WBOK, which is a black owned, uh, indie radio station. It's a historic radio station in New Orleans. And, um, that only lasted maybe about four months or so. Um, it ended very abruptly, but, you know, it had nothing to do with me. It was some stuff with the station um, and with, with, with my producer at the time. But it was enough to, you know, I caught the bug. I got, I got the bug, yeah. you know. It was my first time behind the mic for real, for real. I learned what it was to produce a show, to put a show together, to think about, you know, like, storyboarding and conceptualizing an episode and you know how do you maintain a conversation that's entertaining but also informative like I figured all of those things out by producing that show and um and so I kind of went on from that I ended up closing my office and I started I went to Cuba and then uh, when I was in Cuba a friend of mine called me and he was like, you ever um, heard Amanda Seals podcast, Small Doses? And I was like, first of all, what's a podcast? Never heard, you know, what is that? <laughs> I had never heard of that before. And um, he was like, you should check it out. He's like, I think you could do something like that. Because he knew I had my radio show and yeah. he, he loved my radio show. And I got so much positive feedback from people about the radio show. So I listened to Amanda Seals podcast, Small Doses, and I was like, I can do this. I can do this, you know, because I already did the show. It's, it's like radio online. Like mm -hmm. that's basically what it is. That's basically what a podcast is. So I started doing research how to start a podcast, which at the time there wasn't a whole lot of information out there because podcasting had not blown up like it is now where everybody and their grandmama is a podcaster now. <laughs> but at that time it was, it was something that was still kind of fringe, yeah. you know? And so um, I pieced that information together. I bought me a Logitech headset with a little microphone on the side, like uh -huh. the little, uh, <laughs> little telecommunication thing. Mm. It was about $25 and I bought it at the next. Hey, and um shout hey, out at, shout out to the next. The next always got them good deals. Okay. I miss, I miss the next. <laughs> Ooh, let me tell you, I, I definitely miss the next. Um, but I bought it at the next and um I recorded right there in Cuba in Gitmo, sitting on my sofa. Wow. Um, I recorded my first episode and and kind of went on from there. And I think when I really started taking it seriously, like like I think I can actually do this like I could do this for a living was when um, I had an opportunity to do my show live for the first time at a pod connection ATL that was in 2018 and um, I they had like a little contesting and um, I won the contest 
And um, I got an opportunity to perform my show live. It was me and five other shows. One of the shows didn't show up. And so I actually ended up closing out. I was the closer. I was the closer, which is a big deal, you know? And at that um, event, that's when it really kind of sank into me that like, okay, this is a thing I can do because I had one girl that came up to me and she was like, I just want you to know that I drove here all the way from Alabama just because I wanted to see your show, like just for you. She was like, I came here for you. And I want you to know that you are the only reason that I came here. And I was just like, oh my God, like that was so cool to me. And then one of the hosts from one of the other shows who I, cause you know, if it's a competition, you listen in the everybody show. That's right. You listening to to your competition cause you want to know, you know, you want to know what they bring into the table. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the guys, Peabody, shout out to Peabody, Social P um in in houston texas peabody uh he told me he said he said i ain't gonna lie say i know your show for women he said but i ain't gonna lie i be listening to your shit on the way to work in the morning he was like you good you know and and he was just so um he was just so free yeah with his opinion of me and my work and how high of a regard he holds for me Mm. and that was a first for me in this podcasting space where he was really like he actually said uh you know angela rye yes uh, angela rye had a show out at the time and he was like i ain't gonna lie so i'll be listening to angela rye he was like but you know if you put you and angela rye up against each other he's like i think you got a beat you know and i was like oh okay (laughs) So it was just getting that level of affirmation That's right. from my peers, mm-hmm. my peers that I was, I went into that feeling like an underdog because I was the only solo podcaster and I was like, damn, they, they good. Like they had their stuff together, you yeah. know, like I was very impressed by, by their productions and feeling like, cause I was doing everything myself. So I was feeling like I wasn't really up to par. And so to get there and to hear them say multiple times, like, no, like you, you good at this. It's like, I really love your shit. Like you're really good. That's when I really started taking it more seriously. And I was like, I, I think there's something here. I think I can do this like for real, for real. And um, I just been, you know, exploring that ever since. And I, I started my production company, um, STS Productions. I actually got my Articles of Incorporation um, on Tuesday. Hey, congrats. Yes. congrats. Thank congrats. you. Thank you. What's and um, so I have about uh, two or three projects that I'm working on right now where I'm not, I'm just producing. I'm not behind the microphone. I'm behind the scenes all, right, all together. And I'm really, really enjoying that. So um, this is, this is where I'm going and I'm just learning how, because I still have a deep, deep love for human beings and, yes. and for mental health. And so I'm I'm figuring out every day more and more how to kind of blend those two things. Um, and, and I think it's really, it's cool because it's really kind of 
turning into my own style of of podcast. And like when you listen to a STS production, you know that it's gonna there's gonna be opportunities for learning. True. That I'm a, I'm gonna learn something. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna feel something. Um, and, and I'm probably going to laugh a couple times as well. Um, and, and that's, that's the goal for me anyway. Awesome. Man, I could talk to you all day, but I, yeah. I, I have to, I have to stop bringing this down. Cause I, I, I could ask, I could ask you like 50 more questions, but <laughs> I, I'll save that for a part two. We got to do a part two. Yeah, absolutely. Later on. But, um, I can't let you go without asking Two more questions. Uh, Go for it. Let me see which one should I do. Well, before I do, well, okay, I'll ask you the official food question first. Mm. So, being that you've been to quite a few number of, of places, mm-hmm. you are Jamaican by marriage. Mm-hmm. What's your go-to number one favorite cuisine? You gotta betray somebody. I know it's all right. I know it's hard because yeah, that's why I asked this question. <laughs> you know, being from New Orleans, New Orleans is like a food hub. Yep. And so there's so 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 much about uh New Orleans food that I mean it's just you just can't go wrong. Um, but also the food in Japan when I was in Okinawa. Uh-huh. Oh my god. As well, you say Okinawa, I was like, oh Listen. yeah. I, I was gonna ask about New Orleans if I had a food question about New Orleans, but I was like, oh, as well you said Okinawa. I was like, oh, I gotta go with the controversial one. So I, I was Oh like, <laughs> yes, there's some good, good food in Okinawa. And of course, Jamaica is Jamaica. And and these days, uh I I cook jamaican more jamaican i actually just took some curry chicken out the freezer yeah uh that so i'm gonna cook some curry chicken today um i cook jamaican food that's pretty much all i cook these days is jamaican food um but i'll say this i will say that the one thing that each of those places has in common is uh fish Oh, that's that's true and okay i love a good fish let me tell you now in in america in in new orleans rather it's usually catfish uh-huh um but you know other folks don't be knowing how to cook their catfish because you got to clean that catfish and you got to make sure like it you got to really take care of the catfish you know um in order for it to taste good so in new orleans it's catfish okay um but in I don't know what kind of fish it is in Okinawa. I'm going to be honest, um, but it's good. And and in Jamaica, it's snapper. Um, and so uh, I think fish would be my go-to. Like when I'm, when I'm feeling like, you know, I'm hungry, but I don't want nothing too, too heavy. Yeah. I go get me one of them deep fried snappers ooh, with some bammy. <laughs> and uh, listen some bammy some escovish you can't go wrong with that uh but i i want the escovish on the side you know because okay. i don't i like i like the crispiness of the fish uh-huh. which i think is i get that from new orleans i like crispy fish and sometimes that escovish can make it a little soggy the juice can make it a little soggy so i just like the the peppers and stuff on the side with my fish and my bammy that's that's all day I mean, that's a that's a home run every single time. So the the, the fish from Jamaica and um, uh, New Orleans, 
do, are, are they boneless? No. Okay. And no. Okay. I, so, so, so in so New you, Orleans. So you, you like eat your fish then, my, my tribal people's Oh, yes. Fish, yeah. And let me tell uh, you, I, too, I when I was in, when I was in uh, Cuba, <laughs> yeah. one of the parents, because, you know, I worked with the kids, and so one of the parents was Ghanaian. And I know that's not the same, but I'm just telling you. Yeah, I also Ghanaian. have Ghanaian blood, too. So. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and so uh, the whole time I was there, she was like, I'm going to cook for you. You know, I'm, I'm going to cook for you. And I was like, OK, girl, stop. Don't be threatening me with a good time. If you want to cook for me, you could cook for me. I ain't going to stop you from cooking <laughs> for me because I had never really had like an authentic African meal. And so um, she finally did cook for me. She made me some fufu. OK. With the peanut soup. Uh, I make peanut soup, but not with fish. Oh, and well, and so she made the fish on the side. So she cooked a lot of things. So she made the fufu with the peanut soup. Mm -hmm. And then she made some, um, it was some kind of like a red gravy. So it was oh, tomato. Okay. I, I that know. She, uh, she, down. No, she made shita for you, but it's a, I know the shita she made for you. Oh, yeah. with the, with the dried shrimp, the dried, uh, the dried shrimp. There, that there they, are different uh, types of shita. So she, oh. she made the one that she made for you. It since it was on the side, yeah, with mm. the the tomatoes. So she sliced the tomatoes. Yeah. Well, no, she cooked the tomatoes oh, she down. It. So it's okay. Kind of like a red oily. gravy. Yeah, red gravy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, they, there's there's like there's one that they sell on this. It's on the, the woman. It's mostly women. I mean, that do it. Um, they, they, there's a fish that they fry, mm. and they make the gravy. It's quite spicy, but it's on, they're always by the roadside. The last time I had that was before I, just before I left Nigeria to move mm -hmm. here. That with Kenke, ooh, that is mm -hmm. yeah, that is. It yeah, was well, it's so like when, when you good. get it, it's like the oil is dripping like from the grape. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. So I'll I'll say I'll say. And then there's fish. a shita I, you can get from Amazon. It's like it's darker red. It's mm. literally dry. It feels very much more drier. So like Ghana, Liberia. Ivory Coast, they all have different shitos. So mm. yeah, so like like the darker one, you can just eat it with rice plain. I mean, if you want to use egg, fish, meat, whatever, you prepare it separately. But or you can make it like the one that she made. So there are different shitos that yeah. Like. Well, listen, she <laughs> she put that fish up in that sauce with that, and I was just like, girl, you didn't change my whole life. It was so <laughs> good. I I've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'll say fish. Fish okay, is fish. you know you can't go wrong with fish. All different kinds of fish. Well, I mean you can't go wrong with fish because well, sometimes people be yeah, doing too much. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. fish don't need a whole lot of help. You okay. know. Well, I, I thought you were going to give a controversial answer, and then I could say hey, anybody wants to complain. Yeah, I'll, I'll just send you to Latrice, but yeah. uh, it, it didn't work out. That you, you gave one of the best food answers ever, so well, no, she a pro. She a pro. She, that's how you know she's a pro. All right, so the next question. Um, everyone who appears on this podcast is automatically declared a dancer. If you, say, if you claim you can't dance, you can't shake it down, well, we, we stop recording and kick you off oh. the podcast. So, yeah, now we need you to dance for one hour. At least an hour. Don't worry, we won't record and make a video. Don't worry, it's it's okay. We, 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 it's safe. It's safe. But we need to give us at least give us at least three artists that can keep you dancing for a, an hour 
three or four artists that can keep you dance for at least an hour. Now, there's a, there's a catch. You can't give us the most popular names. So since you have New Orleans background, you can give us from New Orleans. You can give us from the places you've been around, Jamaica. But you can't go give us like Bob Marley. Like, come on, that's cheating. You can't go mention yeah, Bob Marley. Yeah, come on. No. Okay, so. I don't usually dance to Bob, but I I do um I do I was actually listening to Taurus Riley when I met my husband. Okay. Um, I had just discovered Taurus Riley. Well, so my three names I'm gonna say Big Frida, the Queen Diva. You okay. heard me. That's okay. from New Orleans. Um, Big Frida, you can't help but move when Frida Frida is the queen of bounce and bounce music yeah, is bounce authentically music. New Orleans. Yep. Um, so I grew up listening to that. So I'll say uh Big Frida the Queen Diva. And then also, um, you know who I really love? Um, I really like Shinsia. Um, who's a, a dance hall artist. Well, she she's trying to break into pop now. She's trying to kind of expand a little bit. But Shinsia is a Jamaican artist. Okay. She started in dance hall and she just had her first um like crossover album debut a couple months ago. All right. Um and so I I love Shinsia. She always gets me moving. She's on heavy rotation on my Spotify playlist. Um, and then, um, you know, I really like, uh, as far as, you know, like making me move, making me dance. Um, I really like uh, Chloe Bailey, Chloe which Bailey. I know is a big name, but Chloe. The, um, the twins? Well, they're not twins, but yes, that's I know. You, yes, that's what you're talking about. Um, I like her vibe, and I I I like that she's weird and she's nerdy and she's just kind of herself, but she also owns her sexuality. I think people have a hard time wrapping their mind around that. Of course. Um, but but I see myself in the same way. Like I'm, I don't necessarily see myself as someone that is. Um, you know, I'm not like my husband laugh at me all the time because he say I don't know how to take pictures good. He's like, babe, you got to take a sexy picture. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to take sexy pictures and be sexy and be a sex kitten. But I do think that I'm a sexy person, you, you know, um, because I just I just think it's a part of who I am. And I love that about her um, as well, though. She knows how to take a sexy picture. Um, but <laughs> I like her music. I like the levity of, of it. And I like that, you know, she owns herself. And I also like that who she is outside of her music yeah. is authentic to, to herself. And because I think that, you know, as I get deeper into this podcast and thing and like exploring my creativity, um, my second show, my current show, Stories All Around Us, the format, the feel is completely different than my first show was, which was mm -hmm. Unicorns Talk Podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's, a, you know, it, it's, a, it's a thing. Like it's a lot of times people get in one format and they stick to that format. And so, um, but I want to be able to explore all of the different parts of myself. And I want to be able to express that um, in, in whatever way that I can. And so I love that about her. And not for nothing, but she makes a bop. She I like her music. It's some good dancing music. So that's my three. That's all my right. Three. Excellent three. So final question. 
What would you like to leave the audience with? It's your freestyle moment. Drop it. Yeah. Um, well, so I would just say, um, you know, my my one piece of advice, which is the the biggest lesson that I ever learned, and I'm still learning um, in this life, because I have to remind myself often, is to just trust yourself, you know, trust yourself and trust your own gut instincts. Um, you know, the way I look at it, we talked about spirituality earlier, and the way I looked at it is, um, you know, you don't get a gut instinct about everything. Mm. You know, you don't wake up in the morning and get a gut instinct about brushing your teeth or get a gut instinct about, you know, whatever. Like you just you don't get a gut instinct about everything. So when you feel that little something, something going on in your stomach or you feel a little shortness of breath in that moment when you're thinking about this particular thing um, or, or thinking about maybe doing something or you hesitate or whatever, pay attention to that. Um, Because I believe that that's how the universe communicates with us or whatever higher power you believe in, whatever entity or entities you you consult with in your life. That is how they communicate to us um, and kind of guide us um, along the the right path. Um, And so I think trusting ourselves um, is is just one of the most important lessons that we can learn. Um, And it is a lesson that we have to learn because for many of us, the majority of us, we are taught to not trust ourselves. Mm. We are taught to second guess ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has, you know, the the implications of that are very far reaching. And so um, I am learning how to trust myself. I'm doing a much better job of it than I used to, but I'm still learning. Um, and that's always my number one piece of advice um, to in, to anybody is to be intentional about practicing trusting yourself um, because you will never steer yourself in the wrong direction. I'm not saying it's always going to be easy and I'm not saying that that is, you know, never going to be difficult. But what I'm saying is when you move based on your gut instinct you'll never move in the wrong direction all right thank you very much for coming on the show one last thing before we call it the wrap-up please plug yourself in and let people know where to find you oh and i forgot to give a shout out to afros and audios that was the platform where i first saw latrice that was pre-pandemic yeah. and i was like who's this woman i need to i need to have this woman in my life i need to follow this woman i'll become a disciple but i was afraid that I, I, I typed an email then like oh I, I, and then i was like nah, i don't know i was afraid to hit send so i never and then it was probably like what three years later i finally sent the, the email and said would you like to come on the show so yeah but thank you afros and audios for bringing Latrice Samson Richards into my life. So please plug yourself in and let people know where to find you and plug your podcast in too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, definitely shout out to Afros and Audio um, because it's been amazing to be a part of the Afros and Audio team. And, you know, just that that has expanded my, my mind so much as well. So shout out to Afros and Audio and Talib and everything. So, um, 
you know, I'll be around. You can find me on, I am on Instagram at Latrice Sampson Richards, but I'm not going to lie. Social media is not really my thing. Um, it, you know, I post from time to time. I always post, um, the majority of my posts are, going to be about like things that I have going on. So like when this episode comes out, you know, hopefully you'll send me a graphic and then I'll try to get that posted. Like, so if you want to know what's going on with me, um, where, like, if I'm speaking somewhere, if I'm doing something special, then definitely follow me on Instagram every now and then I'll show y'all a little glimpse of my life, but social media is just not, it's not my ministry. Um, and so uh, you know, I do what I can. Um, I'm not on Twitter because Twitter. Yeah. And okay. uh, <laughs> 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 I mean, mm. I can't take Twitter. I, uh, I be in my feelings too uh, much. You know, I can't yeah. do Twitter. Um, but yeah, you can find me there. You can go to my website if you want to work with me. Um, you can go to my website. I'm in the process of updating my website, but you can definitely go there and find out more information about me. It's latricesampsonrichards.com. Um, and, um, that's, that's about it. That's, that's where you can find me out here in these, uh, internet streets. My show, my current show is called stories all around us. It is an autobiography of the black experience. Um, I'm very, very proud of it. We release episodes every other week. Um, and we have actually, we have three more episodes left to go. Um, and so we have an episode coming out on this Monday, actually. So um, we have three more episodes left in season one. Um, and I, this was, it has been a labor of love. I love this show so much. I love it too. I listen to it. You okay. like it? I Yay. love it. I like. I you love it. it. I love it. Oh, I just, so I just need to go you. put on my five stars. I, I have some Apple messed up. That's something I'm working with Apple. I don't yes, know. So please rate and subscribe. My, my five stars is uh, yeah. I can't give five stars immediately, but it's something with my Apple account. I don't know when. Okay, yeah. that's all right. You know, whenever you get that figured out, uh, we we would definitely appreciate it. This show was kind of my introduction to the industry as a pod, as a uh, podcast producer. Yeah. Um, and so I'm very, very, very proud of this, um, this body of work. And, um, you know, it's been received very well. And I just hope that it continues to be received well. And, um, yeah, and then my first show is Stories All Over, excuse me, is uh, Unicorns Talk Podcast. You can find that. Um, wherever podcasts are available, that's where I learned how to podcast. So still, I mean, people still listen to it as well. So y'all check it out. All righty. So check all the podcasts out. Don't forget five stars, leave positive reviews and keep the support and love coming in. So once again, thank you. Uh, as my people say, Umbana for coming on the show. Um, looking forward to having you again on this podcast and to everyone listening thank you for the privilege of your company thanks for listening to white label american if you enjoy the show we'll appreciate if you rate review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from if you have any questions comments or have someone who will be a good guest on the show or you want to be on the show 
send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at White Label American. Thank you for your support.